Thank you, worship team, for uh, singing about those ancient words. And I invite you to open your Bibles to those ancient words in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. And I'll give you a little more exercise to stand as we read these verses. Remembering who you are, let's stand as we read the Word of God. 1 Peter 1, verses 22 through 25. Peter is writing to believers here, and he says, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls... For a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Holy Spirit, would you take these words now and uh, take them home to each heart to produce the life that you want to be in each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jane Addams, the famous social worker and founder of what was called Hull House, told this story on herself. She met an old friend on a train one afternoon and greeted her cordially. But unfortunately, she couldn't remember her name. The conversation is bound to give me a clue as we go on. But for a half an hour, she got nowhere in her memory. Then the friend made this statement. My poor brother is working himself to death these days. Miss Adams felt that her moment had come. Ah, yes, your dear brother. What is he doing now? Her companion glared at her. He is still President of the United States, she remarked coldly. (laughs) Well, we've probably all been there. (laughs) Not being able to put a name to that face. And you know, as believers, we can forget who we are sometimes. Christians need to be reminded from the Word of God in order to have power as God's people to live as his people. There's an outline there in your bulletins if you want to look for it. I, I love just like our pastor too to keep people in the word there. First of all, you are pure people speaking to believers in Christ. Let me ask you this morning as a believer, if you're a believer in Christ, do you feel pure all the time? No, right? We don't feel pure. Our emotions and our feelings go like a roller coaster. But look at the facts in verses 18 and 19, just prior to our text. What Peter reminds us of, that you were redeemed by the precious, unblemished, spotless blood of Christ. That's why you're pure. And that's why Peter can say believers are pure, because it's not our blood, it's his blood. And was there any sin in the Lord Jesus Christ? No, pure And that purity is yours in the gospel, declared just, just as if you'd never sinned when you're in Christ. Any responsibility on our behalf? Your basis of purification, obedience to the truth, Peter says. What this is speaking about is it's a hearkening to or a a submissiveness to the plan of salvation of God. 
It's not telling you, you better be obedient in order to be purified. It's saying you need to be under the blood. That's where the purity is found. It's in Jesus. I like, I should say, I used to like saunas on Saturday night when I lived in Kokato. I had a sauna in my basement. I don't have that anymore. So I apologize for the way I look this morning. But I can give you a spiritual sauna with the Word of God to remind you of the purity that is yours. Think about what John 1.12 tells us. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right or the power to be called the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved no matter who you are. Or Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you submit yourself to the plan of God to save you, that's the basis of your purity. That's what he's talking about in obedience to the truth. Then notice what he says about your purpose of being purified. For a sincere love of the brethren. You people in this church display this. We have experienced this in being a part of this membership. We are part of the, we are some of the broken bone members right now, okay? And we are experiencing the love of the brethren in our stomachs. I hope I don't put on weight, okay? You are doing just what Peter says here. And notice how he says to do it. Follow through with love. Fervently love one another. And that's what you're doing. So keep doing that because of the purity that you have in Christ. One man has written this. Stay fervent in love. Fervent is a word that speaks of intensity and determination. It's an athletic term for stretching to reach the tape. Have you watched the gals and the guys who are wanting to stretch and win the dash? When they come around the last turn, they're pressing for the tape. They'll get right to the end and then they'll lunge forward. And he says, that's the word fervent. On what basis do we do that? Because we've been purified by the love of God in Christ. And notice what he says about it also. Let it flow from the heart. The heart, the scripture uses it, are the center of our being. We speak about it as our mind, our will, and our emotions. And you know, as believers, we still have that old flesh and that mind can trip us up. And that's why we daily need the renewal of the Word of God to transform our thinking so it moves from self to other people just as we've experienced that in Christ. Or our will, being made clean, moves me to want to stay clean so that I want to die to self and live for the glory of God who gave me life. Or our emotions, they can't be allowed to rule the believer. But what can the believer say when you think about that sinners like us who before a holy God have a mountain of sin that God has wiped out in Christ with our emotions. Can't we say hallelujah? Fervently from the heart. Pure people because of what Christ has done for you. Secondly, he says you are new people for you've been born again. I used to hate English. Grammar. 
because <laughs> I just didn't see any purpose to it. But when I started studying God's Word, I thought, oh, maybe it is important. <laughs> this is in a perfect uh, tense, meaning that in the Greek, that it, it's completed action and it goes on. New people when you trusted Christ, and as you're trusting in Christ, you still knew people. And the other thing that's interesting about the voice is it's a passive it's an action of God that brought this about in your life that has made you new people. Do any of you remember how much you did when you were born the first time? Probably not a whole lot, right? <laughs> not a whole lot of action that takes place when you're born the second part, second time in Christ. That is God's doing. It's God's full doing as you, what Peter said here originally, in obedience, as you place yourself under the truth, what Christ has done. He does all of it. That's why it's a passive voice here. Notice how he states it negatively. First of all, not of seed which is perishable. The problem with your first birth is that you were born of corrupt seed. Adam, when he sinned, he passed on to all of us that corrupt seed that leads us to sin. And sin brings about death. And we all have it by our first birth. Not of seed which is perishable. But what about the second birth? By whose seed did that come about? The Holy Spirit coming upon the Virgin Mary? Any sinful seed in that conception? No. No. It was bypassed by a work of God. That's why Peter can say, you've been born, you've been made new, not of seed which is perishable. And then he states it positively, but imperishable. By the second birth, your soul and spirit cannot perish because God gives you eternal life and that life will never, never end. The life that gave you spiritual life, God cannot perish. So you who are born of his seed cannot perish. It's impossible in Christ. There's that kind of security. When the great Christian scientist Sir Michael Faraday was dying, some journalists questioned him about speculations in regards to life after death. He reportedly replied, speculations? I know nothing about speculations. I'm resting on certainties. I know that my Redeemer lives, and because He lives, I shall live also. He quoted from Job 19. That's the kind of certainty you have in being declared pure and new by the imperishable Word of God. Peter goes on. Look what he says. Born again by something living. The living Word of God. What is it that put life in Adam to start with? God created him from the dust of the ground and then He breathed into him the breath of life so that Adam became a living soul in Genesis 2. And how is it that sinners like us are converted? It's by the living Word of God. 
And that living word of God, when a sinner like us hears of the commandments of God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And have you failed that like me? Yes. Have we committed adultery in our minds? Yes. Have we stolen? Yes. Have we coveted? Yes. And then we hear that Jesus Christ didn't break one command and he's the righteous one and he died the death that we deserved. That living word gives new life to us, to you. That's why he says, by something living. Think about when Jesus came to Mary and Martha's brother that had been dead how many days already? Four days. By this time, Master, he stinketh. <laughs> Did that stop Jesus? <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. Is there life in that word coming from God? How about 1 Thessalonians 4.16? When the last trumpet shall sound, and the Lord shall descend, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's the power of the Word of God. Something living that makes dead people live. And then he says, born again by something Enduring those ancient words. God, who has always existed, will outlast heaven and earth. His words that created this word, this world that we live in today. The first day, let there be light. The second day, the expanse of the heavens. The third day, the land and the plants. The fourth day, two great lights. The fifth day, fish and birds. The sixth, land creatures and man. And then Colossians 1.17 tells us that in Him, in Christ, all things hold together. The atoms and the molecules all hold together by His Word. New people of imperishable seed. That's the power of the Word of God. There was a man who had been the superintendent of a city rescue mission for 40 years, and he was asked why he spent his life working with dirty, unkempt, profane, drunken derelicts. And he said, all I'm doing is giving back to others a little of the love of God that he has shown to me. As a young man, he himself had been a drunkard who went into a mission for a bowl of chili. Then he heard the preacher say that Christ could save sinners. And he stumbled forward to accept Christ as his Savior. Though his brain was addled by drink, he felt a weight lifted from his shoulders, and that day he became a new person. A little later, seeking God's will for his life, he felt the Lord calling him to go back to the gutter and reach the people that were still wallowing there. The power of redeeming love enabled him to carry on this ministry for 40 years. That's the power of the living Word of God in the lives of people. New people in Christ. Thirdly, you're needy people. Though believers are pure and 
new, yet comes the reality of why we day by day need Jesus in our lives. Because we're needy people. We're in need of stability, like he says in verse 24. All flesh is like grass. I don't know, I can't find a whole lot of grass right now, can you? It's pretty dead. It's pretty well covered. You can ask the animals. They're having a hard time. You are included in all flesh. Flesh is delicate. I don't know, did you know that knees can break? (laughs) We've experienced that. Do you know that the gums in your mouth can deteriorate? I'm experiencing that right now in my life. Body problems remind us of our weakness. Peter goes on to say, your dreams are the same. All their glory, poof, they can be gone like that. Think about a gifted athlete on the football field and one tackle in the wrong place and the career is done. People dropping dead at age 30. Or a man pulling a vehicle out and getting hit by a broken rope or chain or hook and he's gone. It happens that fast. We're needy people. And our dreams are short-lived like the flowers of the field, Peter says. How long do flowers last? Well, they last as long as after the last frost of the year till the first frost of the year. And that's about it. They decline. The grass withers. It's parched. It dries up. And you know what? As we age, we dry up. I don't know if any of you have been to a funeral lately and looked in the casket at what the skin looks like in a casket. When I hold my hand like this, I've noticed that my skin at age 61 doesn't look a whole lot different. (laughs) We're needy people. You're all going to die one day unless Jesus returns before that day. We need something outside of us. The enduring Word of God that gives us life. We decline. The flowers fail. They come to an end. They're beautiful for a time. And when you look in the mirror, you might see beauty now, but one day you won't see beauty when you look in the mirror. You might not even be able to look in the mirror. We are, like Peter closes here, in need of the eternal. The word of the Lord endures forever. And I love that contrast, don't you, between flowers and we who are like grass, we wither. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Psalm 119, verse 8, forever Ah, that's, I got the wrong. Verse 89, excuse me. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever. It's settled. God's word that gives life is the only thing that can sustain life in you. And so if you're trusting in Christ as your Savior today, you are pure by the blood of Christ. That purity will empower you to minister to other people that they might be made new in Christ. I want to close with this story that Chuck Swindoll told. He says, I'll call this young man Aaron, not his real name. 
Late one spring, he was praying about having a significant ministry the following summer. He asked God for a position to open up for some church staff or a Christian organization, but nothing happened. Summer arrived, still nothing. Days turned into weeks, and Aaron finally faced reality. He needed a job. He checked the want ads, and the only thing that seemed to be a possibility was driving bus on the south side of Chicago. Nothing to brag about, but it would help pay the bills. After learning the route, he was on his own, a rookie driver in a dangerous section of the city, and it wasn't long before Aaron realized just how dangerous his job really was. A small gang of tough kids spotted the young driver and began to take advantage of him. For several mornings in a row, they got on, they walked right past him without paying, ignored the warnings and rode until they got off, all the while making smart remarks to him and others on the bus. Finally, he decided he had had enough. The next morning, after they got on the bus, as usual, Aaron saw a policeman on the next corner. So he pulled over and he reported the offense to the policeman. The officer told them to either pay or get off. They paid, but unfortunately, the policeman got off and they stayed on. And when the bus turned around another corner or two, the gang assaulted the young driver. When he came to, the blood was all over his shirt. Two of his teeth were missing. Both of his eyes were swollen shut. His money was gone and the bus was empty. After returning to the terminal and being given the weekend off, our friend went to his little apartment. He sank onto his bed and he stared at the ceiling in disbelief. And resentful thoughts swarmed through his mind. Confusion and anger and disillusionment added to the fuel to the fire of the physical pain. And he spent a fitful night wrestling with the Lord. How can this be? Where is God in all of this? I genuinely want to serve Him. I prayed for a ministry. I was willing to serve Him anywhere, doing anything. And this is the thanks that I get. On Monday morning, Aaron decided to press charges. And with the help of the officer who had encountered the gang and several who were willing to testify as witnesses against the thugs, most of them were rounded up and taken to the local county jail. Within a few days, there was a hearing before the judge. In walked Aaron and his attorney, plus the angry gang members who glared across the room in his direction. Suddenly, he was seized with a whole new series of thoughts. Not bitter ones, but compassionate ones. His heart went out to the guys who had attacked him. And under the Spirit's control, he no longer hated them, but he pitied them. They needed help, not more hate. What could he do? Or what could he say in that courtroom? Suddenly, after there was a plea of guilty, Aaron, to the surprise of his attorney and everybody else in the courtroom, stood to his feet and requested permission to speak. Your Honor, I would like to total up, I would like you to total up all the days of punishment against these men, all the time sentenced against them, and I request you that you allow me to go to jail in their place. The judge didn't know whether to spit or to wind his watch. Both attorneys were stunned as Aaron looked over at the gang members whose mouths and eyes looked like saucers. He smiled and he said quietly, It's because I forgive you. 
The dumbfounded judge, when he reached a level of composure, said rather firmly, Young man, you are out of order. This sort of thing has never been done before. To which the young man replied with genius insight. Oh, yes, it has, Your Honor. It has. It happened over 19 centuries ago when a man from Galilee paid the penalty that all mankind deserved. And then the next three or four minutes without interruption, he explained how Jesus Christ died on our behalf, thereby proving God's love and forgiveness to all. Aaron was not granted his request by the judge, but the young man went on and visited the gang members in jail, and he led most of them to faith in Christ and began a significant ministry to many others in the south side of Chicago. You who are trusting in Jesus today are declared to be pure in Him. You're new people, empowered by Him. So keep in the truth in Jesus. That's where there is security for no matter what you face in life. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word and the power of that Word to cleanse sinners like us and to make us pure and to make us new. Pray that You would continue to do Your heart in each one of these lives this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.